Appreciate Brother Danton reading our scripture tonight. As promised this morning, we will be looking at 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, and really just continuing where we left off. What we will be looking at tonight is one of the passages that oftentimes in the religious world has been misinterpreted, especially if you look down at verse 14 and 15, because when you come to this passage, if you don't keep it in its context, uh, it might mean something to you that it's not meant to mean. The use of the pronouns within this chapter or within this section of Scripture has confused some, and therefore they have a misunderstanding. If you would, go ahead and skip. We'll look at verse 14 and 15 before we get down and go through it within its proper context. So in verse 14 he says, If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. Now this is a verse that is often misunderstood because they tie it with the next verse and they think it means something. However, the misunderstanding in verse 14 is really not anything that would go against God's teaching. It's just that that's not what it's teaching right here. So in verse 14, oftentimes people will look at it and they say, if anyone's work, talking about the individual, grows in their certain point in life, if they go and they do really good, what's going to happen? It gets down to the end of verse 14 and it says they will have a reward. But if you tie it in with verse 15, you see what verse 15 says. We know that that's not going to be the case, and later we're going to go back and look at the, uh, the context, and we'll understand why. But notice in verse 15 it says, If anyone's work is burned, that means it's been tested, it's been proven, it's tried. Okay, If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. And then it says, But he himself shall be saved. All right, so in the religious world today, many have taken this to say the Bible is teaching once saved, always saved. This person was saved in the beginning, and therefore they were built upon, and they were tried with fire, and even though their work was no good and they were destroyed, there are people that say, obviously it says there's loss, but yet the same individual is saved. Now, the problem is that's a misuse of all the he's. It's a misuse of all the pronouns that are used. And as we go through the lesson tonight, uh, we'll hopefully all gain a little bit deeper understanding, a little bit deeper uh, knowledge of 1 Corinthians 3 and what is really going on here. Today we're going to talk about God's building. As we left off this morning in verse 9, at the very end of verse 9, after going through 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 9, talking about the field that the individuals are. They are the field where the planting takes place. We have Paul planted, or he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He goes down to, we go down to verse 9, and it says, we are God's fellow laborers, you are God's field. Then he says, you are God's building. Tonight, the figure that we're going to look at is you are God's building. Within this figure, we understand first that Paul is talking about the development of a Christian. Because you have to start somewhere. There was a field that was empty in verses 1 through 9. And Paul planted in that field, and then Apollos went back and watered in that field. But tonight, as we look at the, build, the building, we'll also notice that Paul does a portion here where he lays the foundation. And someone does work to continue to ensure that the building is built. That is, that the individual is grounded and firm in God's Word. Fields within 
within this time period were often used as figures. People understood a little something about growing in this day and time. In fact, still today, there are some that I know who garden. There are some that have flower gardens. There are some that have large vegetable gardens, and they actually, many of us enjoy the fruits of them. But yet also we have people today that are farmers, that grow crops and they rely off that for their livelihood. Well, in this day and time, there were a lot of people that understood that of farming, that understood that of producing a crop so that they could survive. Many times throughout God's Word does He refer to the idea of planting, to the idea of farming and harvesting, because it was something they understood. Today we can understand it in the same way. You can go back in the Old Testament even, in Isaiah chapter 5, a reference made there refers to that of the, the vineyard. The field that was there was planted with a vineyard, and it talks about the crop that comes forth. Uh, you can look at Matthew chapter 13. We all know the parable of the sower, another passage of Scripture where God refers to a field. You can look also at John chapter 15. Once again, we see Jesus says that He is the vine. We are the branches. So we see over and over and over throughout, throughout the Scriptures, there are different passages that are used to teach the individual. So tonight we are going to look at the Christian and the one that is built. Notice he says, you are the building, referring to the Christians there at Corinth. As we begin, we'll be starting with the first point, the foundation. Notice in verses 10 and 11, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 10 and 11 Paul records, according to the grace of God which has been given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now it's interesting that Paul says, hey, I'm laying a foundation, and then he says, look, there's only one foundation. So in other words, he's saying, I'm working for the Lord. The foundation that I'm going to lay in this individual is that of Christ. He said, for there's no other foundation that can be laid than the one that's already been laid, that is, Jesus Christ. Paul lays a foundation by teaching that of the truths of God's Word. As I promised this morning, you can go back to Acts chapter 18. I made reference to it, and tonight we'll go ahead and we'll peek back at it for just a second. As we see, Paul goes to Corinth to minister, to teach. Beginning in verse 1, he says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, which had received, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. And it says in verse 3, So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for the occupation, for they were tent makers. Now notice in verse 4, it says, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Paul comes to Corinth and what's his plan? His plan is to teach, to convert, to plant, or as we're looking at tonight, to lay a foundation. So he goes into the synagogues where they have religious people and he teaches and preaches the truth of God's Word. Now within that thought, in verse 11, Paul points out there's no, other, there's no foundation that can be laid other than that which has already been laid, which is Christ Jesus. Therefore, a teacher must take great thought. A teacher must take great care in the things that they teach. 
Because there's only one foundation, so if they're laying something that's different than the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, they're not laying the true foundation at all. They're going to lay something that is destroyed. And that's why Paul is saying, look, be careful. Teachers today still have to do the same thing. As we study tonight, I have to take great care in the things that, that I study throughout the week to ensure that what I'm saying is going to be in accordance with God's Word. You know, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, making reference back to the elders, he says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock for which the Lord had made them overseers. We see that there's a great concern for the things that are said. There's great concern for the elders in looking out for the flock. There's great concerns for teachers in teaching the truth, ensuring that what is taught is the truth. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. As you look there, it says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. There's an importance of doing it now and a continued continued pattern of taking up his cross daily and following. It's not the fact of becoming a Christian and voila, we're done. We see that problem as throughout the beginning of the chapter as we looked at this morning because they didn't mature, because they still needed milk. Well, the question is, for in order for the foundation to be built upon, people have to study, people have to teach, people have to grow. You can also look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul, giving great comfort or encouragement to the young Timothy, says, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. In that of teaching, we need to be very careful. We need to be sure that the certain things that we teach are true. In laying a foundation, we understand that the teacher must take great care in that foundation because Christ is what ought to be that foundation. Christ is the proper foundation. Within, within God's call, it is very limited. I mean, by that, God made the entrance terms into his kingdom according to his way. In John chapter 14, you can go back down to verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There's one way. He narrowed the gates so that it's only those that are obedient to him are the ones that will find salvation in the end. Christ being the proper foundation was made reference to way back in the Old Testament if you go back to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 28, we've got reference there to the Lord makes a, makes a statement. And it says in verse 16, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a, sta a stone for a foundation. It's, it refers to him there as a precious cornerstone. We see the importance, the, the knowledge that Christ would be the development of the kingdom later on. And now, looking back, we can make, make knowledge and understanding of it. For instance, in Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, as Jesus is there and he asks, he asks them, he says, who, well, he asks Peter especially, he says, who, who do you say that I am? And then Peter makes that foundational statement and he says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You skip down to verse 19 and Jesus says, or skip down to verse 18 and Jesus says, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this 
rock, meaning foundation, Jesus, the cornerstone, upon this statement that was just made that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He, he makes reference here to the fact that the foundation, being Jesus Christ as the Son of God, is the chief cornerstone. He's the main building block, and that is the foundation that Paul was planning to lay when he talks about being the one that lays the foundation. You can also notice in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, at the very end of the verse, it says, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. All right, I think we get it. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the rock, the foundation, the beginning of the building. And Paul was just doing work by laying that foundation. Let's go on just a little bit further and let's look at building the foundation. There was the foundation to start with, very simple to understand. Paul, the one that helped to lay the foundation, which is nothing new because it was just the facts of Christ. Now let's look at building on the foundation because this is where people get messed up. Notice in verse 12 and 13. Sorry, back in 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, notice in verse 12, it says, Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now, the problem is, as we get down to verse 12 and 13, you might get the idea that we're talking about the individual. You might get the idea that we're talking about the person who Paul laid down the foundation for. However, think back to the whole beginning of the chapter. What do we have going on? It says, I planted, Paul, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. Who was the builder in that instance? Well, it was Apollos. We have the foundation that was laid in verses 1 through 9 by Paul. It's called planning. We have Apollos that comes back and he teaches and he encourages and he's building on that foundation that Paul laid. So, so we see in verses 12 and 13 we're talking about something other than the individual working on themselves. Do we have to develop our faith? Yes, we most definitely do. But yet it is just as important that others encourage and strengthen and teach. Today, as, we stand he, as I stand here and preach, the point is so that upon that foundation of Christ, you can build your faith on the facts of what God did. So, as we see in verse 12 and 13, we have a teacher or one that is helping to build, that's encouraging, that's helping the members. Now, as you go down, it says in verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. We've got two different groups of materials. You've got really expensive materials and then you have the cheap materials. God's going to desire the best. If we're going to build on the foundation which is Jesus Christ, which as you go down into verse 16 and 17 you realize the temple of God, those that house the Lord, the Spirit, we have of necessity that the best things be used. Meaning we are the best person that we can be. We strive as a Christian to develop, to grow on a regular basis. God desires only the best. God desires the best things be used, and that's the suitable material that God expects to be used. The builder is the man who continued to teach. We see the builder that continues doing something in 
in verses 13 and following, that builder is the person that continues to teach the individual who has already got a foundation, that foundation that had been laid. So Paul came to Corinth, and he taught them. He laid the foundation. And then Apollos comes back, and he continues to teach so they can get a greater knowledge, a greater faith, and they can be more convicted in that of what God says. Now, as we think about that, teaching anything different than that which has been given is going to lead nowhere but destruction. You know, when, when Timothy was warned in what to teach, it, in what he did, he had to be careful in what he said. Back in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20, he had to, he had to guard himself from the things that might be said that wouldn't be according to God's word. If you go back to 1 Timothy 6, verse 20, it says, Avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. See, people go out and teach things that are wrong. And so there's great emphasis placed on teaching the truth. And that's the foundation we're talking about. Galatians chapter 1, and verse 6, it says, I marvel that you are so soon... You, you're turning away so soon. You're so soon removed from the gospel. And then he goes on to say that they say they're, they're pulled to a different gospel, but yet it's not a different gospel because it's not the gospel at all. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from the gospel. You're so soon removed from what God would have them to follow. Verse Verse 6 says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want you to pervert the gospel of Christ. He goes on to say, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which has been taught, that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. If we have said before, he says the same thing. If we teach anything other than that which we have preached to you, he says, let that person be accursed. The warning to teach only the truth of God's Word. In building on the foundation, we can know in 2 John, verse 9, it says, Whoever transgresses, whoever follows after sin and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, does not have God. We see a great warning in being obedient and following with that of the doctrine of Christ. Now, Let's consider the builder in this passage. Because the builder, we see, it says, they can suffer loss and not be lost. So we've got to be careful. We've got to hold God's word in highest regard. We've got to hold it as the number one importance. Just after this, in chapter 4, you can notice in verse 6 a warning. As Paul says in chapter 4, verse 6 of 1 Corinthians, he says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself... And Apollos, for your sake, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one, and a, one against the other. So don't go beyond what is written. Meaning, hold true to exactly what is written, exactly as it is written. Hold true to God's word, and that's going to require that we understand the context that something's in. That's what we're looking at tonight. The question remains to, as to whether or not the Christian who is going to be taught will be able to endure. And that's, that's where we're really coming to. Because testing 
The testing by fire referred to here, the trying, is just a... It's just, just that. It's just a test. It's a, it's a trial. It's something that they have to bear in order to show whether or not their faith was grounded in the Lord. You know, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 27, it says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. The goal needs to be to teach everything so that they can be firm in their faith so that they can stand. So that's what Apollos was doing as he came back to teach. Paul laid the foundation, but surely he couldn't have told them everything in just that short period of time. And therefore, others come back and teach and build upon that foundation. All right, now let's look at verse 13 through 15. 1 Corinthians 3, in verse 13, it says, Each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. And he said, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. All right, understanding how fire works, for instance, with certain metals, you can use fire to test it, to prove it, to tell if it's a proper thing or not, to, pro to tell if it's pure in the, the makeup. There's a show on television that I once watched one day, I don't remember what it's called, but I know it's about swords, and everybody makes these swords or knives or blades, and, and they have to try them, and they have to see which one's the best one, and they call it testing because they're trying it against different things. If I hit it, hit it against this metal, is the blade going to lose its edge? Uh, if, if they light it on fire, is it going to continue to be the same quality of material? All right, so that's what we're talking about here. If the building is burned, is the quality of the material still going to be there? Is it going to continue? And now we're talking about the faith of certain individuals. So, verse 13, he says, Each one's work will become clear because of the test that's going to happen. So, facts are, within living a Christian life, within living as a Christian, growing as a Christian, there are going to come tests. There are going to come times where we suffer. You know, we mentioned Matthew chapter 13 earlier in the lesson. The parable of the sower. If you look at the parable of the sower, there were certain tests that came to those individuals. You see, uh, if you go back to Matthew 13, you can look at verse 19. You have those on the wayside. Those that were the wayside hearers, it, they heard the word of God and they, they took it in, but yet quickly thereafter, it says, the wicked one came and stole it out of their heart. You can go down a little bit further in that passage. Go down to verse 21, and you see the stony places. Those in the stony places, you have the hearer that uh, he receives the word. He has no root, and therefore tribulation, persecution come, and what happens? He falls because he was tested. So we have the testing that takes place. You can go down one more verse in verse 22. You've got the thorny, thorny ground, and it's these people that receive the word, they start to grow, and yet the foundation wasn't strong enough or the teaching that continued wasn't strong enough, and therefore they give up because the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world and what, God, what the world has to offer, and they turn from God. Their testing led those to be lost. They led them to prove that they weren't quality material. Difficult times and persecutions come. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 gives warning to that of trials. And he, said, it's a, he points out that it's a fact. It's going to happen. He says, as though you think some strange thing happened to you, talking about the people that were being tried. We understand if we live as a Christian, trials are going to come. Things are going to come to test us. 
Therefore, we have to continue in the truth of God's word. You can think of Simon Peter. And Simon Peter in Luke chapter 22, as he was there, the Lord even warned him and said, Look, before the, before the rooster crows, he said, You're going to deny me three times. You can drop down about 30 verses. I want to say it's about verse 60 through 62. We see that that, that happened. Simon Peter, this person that we, we would consider to be a great individual, yet he fell when he was tested. But don't lose hope there because even though he fell, there's still great hope. James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your faults one to another. Why? Because they could be forgiven. He says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You can also think to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. We're told if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Notice, it says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we're walking in the light, the promise is that we can, not even can, we will be forgiven because we're walking in the light. That's the point, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. There is great reward to the builder, and that's what we've got to really focus in on. Notice once again, verse 14. He said, if anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. We understand, as I stand here and I teach, my goal is that every person in here will choose to follow God for the rest of their life. They will choose to live for Him, and one day they'll be found faithful in the end. And knowing that would be the greatest reward that I could ever have. Break it down, make it a little, make it a little easier. Because I talked about Charlie this morning, I've got to talk about her tonight. Charlie is almost seven and a half months old. She will be on Tuesday. I have no greater hope in life than to know that I can instill in her that foundation that Paul is trying to, lie, to, trying to lay, which is Jesus Christ. I have no greater hope than to think that I can build upon that foundation by teaching her. And one day she'll be found faithful and be able to receive an eternal reward in the end. Okay, verse 14. That brings it into perspective. He says, if anyone's work which he is built on endures, he will receive a reward. The greatest reward that I could ever have outside of, outside of going to heaven myself is to know that my child chose to follow God and to be faithful in the end. Because I, knowing, that, knowing that we could be together in heaven for eternity, worshiping a great God who loves us, is the greatest reward that anyone could ever enjoy. All right, verse 14. If anyone's work, the work that goes on is teaching... If anyone's work, which he has built on, endures, the work that we do in teaching, in building on the faith of the individual that we try to teach, whether it be me teaching you, whether it be you teaching me, we would then have feelings where we hoped that we could help the other one get to heaven. That's the goal within Christianity, encouraging one another. I see time is about gone, but we'll go ahead and we'll finish up real quick. Look at Paul's idea. Look at the way Paul speaks of it. Same book, 1 Corinthians. Go forward to chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. At the very end of that verse, notice what Paul says. He says, Are you not my work in the Lord? What he's saying is, Am I not a builder upon that foundation of Jesus Christ? He refers to them as his work. 
because he cares about them. In teaching them, he has great hope, great desire that they can go to heaven. Go further, once again, Philippians chapter 4. Paul talks about the Philippian brethren, and he counts them as a joy and a crown. Philippians chapter 4, the very first verse, he says, Therefore, my beloved for and longed for, brethren, my joy and my crown. He said, So stand fast. So stand fast in the Lord. Why? Because he wants them to enter heaven. There's great joy in knowing that you can help someone else get to heaven. One more verse along the same lines, that is 3 John chapter 4. Here we talk about children. 3 John chapter 4, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Children that we're talking about is those that we teach. You know, Paul even referred to some as sons in the faith. Those that we teach are our children. They're the ones that we teach, we, we share our faith with so that they can grow to respect, to appreciate, and to follow God. So we understand then in verse 14, the work that is done is so that others can go to heaven and because of that there is great reward. Now, last verse, verse 15, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 15, he says, If anyone's work is burned, I work really hard. I worked really hard to teach this certain individual. I sit down and I study with them. We open the scriptures, we look at things together. My great desire is that they'll follow God. They might even come to the point where they, they say, oh, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. They might come to the point where they repent, where they decide to be baptized. And then years down the road, as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life kick in, as the different things that the world has to offer pulls at them, it tears them down, and they fall back from Christianity. Verse 15, if anyone's work is burned, that work that was done, he says, notice, he will suffer loss. It hurts me a lot to know that one fell away from the fold. It hurts me a lot to know that somebody I taught isn't living according to what God would have them to do. Notice what he says. He says he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. We're not talking, we're not talking about the, the Christian that suffered the loss. We're talking about the individual that built upon that foundation. He says, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire, by testing. In understanding God's truth, a person has to stand for their own salvation. You can look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. He says, you'll be hated by all men for my name's sake, but he that will endure to the end will be saved. The person that endures, the person that lives for God, is the one that enjoys salvation. You're not going to be lost because you tried to teach somebody and they fell away. However, it will hurt. It will bring discouragement to you knowing that someone forsook the right way. One more verse and the lesson is yours. A person determines if they will enter the salva- their salva- if they'll enter salvation according to their actions. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. We're going to go ahead and read verse 10 and 11. Here it says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. Be even working harder 
Labor even the more. There, he says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make sure your, elect, your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sum up verse, verse 10 and 11. Be more devoted. Be more diligent. Work even harder. So, in verse 11... You can enter salvation. We will be able to go. Notice in verse 11 it says, For an entrance will be supplied to you to the great kingdom. In understanding 1 Corinthians chapter 3, as we are the building, the individuals at Corinth he refers to are the building. You have somebody that planted. We have somebody that watered. We have somebody that laid the foundation. We have somebody that built upon it. then trials will be coming their way. But the key is, he that endures to the end, that's the person that will be saved. I encourage you, don't ever give up your walk for Christ. Don't give, ever give up on Christianity and the hope that we have. If you haven't given your life to Christ, why are you waiting? The question is, are you willing to be obedient to God's Word? Are you willing to repent? of the things that are amiss in your life? Are you willing to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Are you willing to go down into the water to have your sins washed away? Acts 22, verse 16, he says, And now why tarryest thou? Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. If you haven't done that, if you haven't given your life to Christ, please come as we stand and sing.